Hey, Drew Dixon back with you for another Bible Thump. Let's look to Mark 7 and let's talk about what's wrong with you. And I mean you, not anyone else, you. Uh, what is wrong with you? That's what we're going to talk about. Um, no, I'm kidding. We're going to talk about what's wrong with us. With human beings, we're going to try to get to the bottom of the human problem. Uh, why the world is messed up. Um, Jesus is going to answer that for us in the form of a parable. And it's a very interesting parable. And um, we're not just going to dwell in the negative here, though, in, in understanding that there's a big problem, but hopefully we'll get some sense of of having some hope in the midst of this problem as we unpack it. So uh, let's look at this. Mark 7, starting in verse 14. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand, nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach, and is eliminated. There's probably a joke there. Um, (laughs) Thus, he declared all foods clean, Mark tells us. He tells us in parentheses that apparently that little teaching there was also a declaration of, of, hey, now all foods are clean. Um, So Jesus is changing uh, our understanding of Jewish law with this teaching in some way. Uh, Verse 20, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile a person. Um, so basically what Jesus is saying here goes against like thousands of years of human philosophy and human um, ideas and sort of just like general best practices amongst human beings. Um, we have a tendency to think there's like some tangible action we can take to fix any problem. Um, And you don't have to look very far to see that this is the case. Like, go into any bookstore. I know there's not many of those anymore, but there's still a Barnes & Noble here and there. Or just, like, look at the bestsellers on Amazon. Like, if you don't want to go to a bookstore, because that's hard to do, just, like, go go to your library. Um, Go to to Amazon. Scroll through some of the bestsellers. And what are you going to see? It's all these books about how you can make your life better. Like, if you'll just, de- you know, here's the solution to decluttering your house. And if you'll just take these three steps to declutter your house, your life will be better. Seven steps to um, overcoming your anger or six steps to being a better parent or the three foods that you've got to eat. There's all these kinds of articles too, like on Facebook or um, the, that are just posted on the internet. Like uh, any, go to like BuzzFeed or whatever, any of these places you'll see do eat these three foods. Um, try these four exercises, and you'll have a slimmer waist. Um, here's five new life hacks to be more productive and healthier and happier. Um, and we see this all over social media too. The things people post about. If you'll just sign this petition, right, we can make things better. Um, if you'll just change your profile picture, like we'll stop racism, right? <laughs> um, we know that's ridiculous, but. Uh, it feels that way sometimes. It feels like that's what people are saying. Um, stop eating at these three restaurants. Uh, come to this rally or this protest or do this thing or this other thing or um, like my post, <laughs> right? And the world will be a better place. Listen, 
don't mishear me. I'm not suggesting suggesting that these actions are worthless and that they're not worth doing. A lot of these things are super worth doing. Um, but what I do want to say, and I think what Jesus is saying in this parable, is that these actions will always fail to achieve their intended goal if we don't go deeper, right? If we don't get to the root of our problems as human beings, if we don't go further than just taking some outward action, the change, the the happiness, the fuller life we might experience from taking those actions will be only short-lived. Like it won't last, it will fade, and it won't land us and the people around us where we want to be and where we want the people around us to be. So Jesus is basically telling the Pharisees that their agenda is not working. Like he basically says like your seven-step plan sucks. (laughs) It's not going to work. The three foods that you say nobody should eat, that's not making anyone better. Um, the four exercises that you think everyone needs to do, they're not fixing the problem um, that you think they are. They're not getting rid of Rome. They're not doing what you think they'll do. The, the, these life hacks that you have in mind for everyone to, to do, they're not working. That's what he's telling them. He's saying, your plan sucks. Uh, but he doesn't come out and say it, right? He sort of says that because he doesn't come out and say it because if he came out and said that the way I just did, it would not go over well, right? And not just with the Pharisees. Like, remember, the Pharisees are super influential in, in, in Israel at this time, in ancient Israel, and, like, people bought into their, their presentation of the law, the way they interpreted the law. And so, like, this wouldn't go over well with everyone. And uh, remember, food laws were how they rebelled. The Pharisees and the people of Israel, in some ways, rebelled against Rome, Um And he writes this, when a society feels the threat of invasion, it will reinforce its purity codes, like its its stringent laws, its unique cultural laws and institutions. This is society's way of insisting to itself and to anyone who will pay attention, right, that it really is what it should be. And that's what the Pharisees were trying to do. They were trying to, like, prove that, that Israel was God's people by, uh, even though they were under foreign rule, hey, if we'll just be really pure, if we'll just really stick to these food laws, and not only stick to the food laws and stick to all these purity laws and all these things, but we will um, separate ourselves from anyone who doesn't strictly observe these food laws. So that's why it was such a big deal when the when the disciples of Jesus seemed to be like, like breaking, they weren't actually breaking the law, but what they were breaking is the Pharisees' interpretation of the law, right? These extra laws that the Pharisees had piled on top of the law. But that's why it was such a big deal. It's like you're not getting on with the agenda of being God's pure, set-apart people. Um, but listen, what if the kingdom of God is more about throwing open the doors of who can be God's people to absolutely anyone who will repent and believe? And that's exactly what Jesus constantly did in his earthly ministry. And that's certainly what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection. So what's what, what do we have to learn here? Um, I want to say three things. Jesus does three remarkable things here with this little parable. Three really remarkable things. Um, and we've already talked about the first, but first he identifies the source of the human problem, which is super helpful, right? Um, as it goes... You can't fix a problem until you know until you get to the source, right? Um, 
we have to identify the problem before we take any steps to seeing it solved. So, um, and here's what he says. He says you and me, we're part of the problem. Um, listen, I don't want you to have a poor self-esteem here. It's not healthy to think that you alone are what's wrong with the world and that your world is, is falling. If like things aren't going well in your world, it's all your fault. Like that's not healthy. Don't hear me saying that. Like if, if you're, if you have a bunch of broken relationships and just things just aren't going well in your life, it, it's probably not all your fault and don't, don't beat yourself up. Okay. Um, you're not worthless. Don't think of yourself that way. But conversely, you'll never see real lasting change and make a real lasting difference in your life and the lives of the people around you if you don't recognize your part in them, right? Um, we can't, this is the frustrating thing about like the things that are really, like the broken relationships in our, in our lives and the things that feel like really jacked up. Like we can't fix other people. But what we can do, I think, Jesus gives us some hints about some ways we can experience real lasting change ourselves in our hearts and lives. Jesus says the source of the human problem is the human heart, right? And so knowing that tells us that if we'll look to God for a change of heart, there may be some hope, right? Um, we won't see a lasting change if we don't recognize that our motives, that's what Jesus is after. That's what he means when he talks about the heart. He doesn't mean like this muscle that pumps blood, right? But he means the things that motivate us, the reasons why we do the things we do. What gets you up in the morning to act and to do certain things? And and so often it's it's us, it's our pride. It's like what motivates the decisions I make is because I want people to think I'm great and 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 I want them to to think highly of me. I want to be I want to be important. I want to be influential. I want to be powerful or whatever. Um, and you think that way too sometimes. Like you want people to get on board with what you're about and what you're doing. Um, and until you recognize that that's what's motivating a lot of what's messed up and broken in your life, or that or that's impacting a lot of what's messed up and broken in your life, um, you're probably not going to see the kind of change that you want to see. So um, yeah. It can be liberating. Don't beat yourself up, okay? But it can be really liberating to say, man, I, I'm part of the problem. So I stop expecting everyone else around me to change, and I start looking to God to say, hey, um, can you help me make some steps in the right direction? Can you help me see some lasting change? Um, so, so first thing Jesus does is identifies the source of the human problem, and it's the human heart. So it's your heart, it's my heart. We're all contributing to what's broken and wrong with the world. Secondly, he implies that he has the solution to the problem. I mean, he doesn't actually come out and say it in this passage, but he has over and over again in the gospel already. Um, so he doesn't really have to, but by the fact that he says uh, that he identifies this problem, I think he's implying for us that he has the solution. Um, I, I think back to Mark 1, 1 15, right? 1, 14 and 15, um, Jesus went about preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe the good news. Um, that's what he's wanting for his people. That's what's, what he's wanting for the Pharisees. That's why he's been preaching um, pretty hard against them, not because he hates the Pharisees, but he wants them to repent of their prideful, selfish actions that aren't actually making the world a better place, right? So let's follow that train of thought. Let's repent. Let's turn away. Now that we acknowledge that it's our selfish motivations that are part of what's wrong with the world and why our world, our personal world, our personal space that we inhabit is broken, 
then if we know that, we can repent. We can turn away from those selfish motives and look to God. Trust God for new, better, less selfish, more selfless, more others-focused, more neighbor-focused, more kingdom-minded motives. That's a really simple prayer you can make. God, show me how I'm being selfish and open my eyes to ways I can live for your kingdom this week. Um, not that I put aside my desires. You don't have to put aside your desires altogether, but say, God, take hold of my desires. Give me better desires. Give me desires that um, coincide with, with your kingdom and, and your kingdom values. I think this, this kind of, you know, repentance, that leads to real change. So turn away from your selfish motives. Trust God. Ask God to give you new, better, better motives. The third thing I think that this passage does is it broadens the kingdom. It opens the possibility of a relationship with God to more people. Do you see that? Um, God wants unclean people. Um, like the Pharisees' agenda, and, and so many people in the ancient, in the first century, uh, and so many Jewish people in the first century had just bought into And we buy into this idea too, like, um, like if everybody got on board with my agenda, <laughs> right, uh, the world would be a better place. Like if everyone would just do the things that I do, go back to those things I mentioned earlier, if everyone would, would change their profile picture on Facebook and, and stop eating at these restaurants and come to this this event that I'm putting on and read this book that I think is important. Like if everyone would do the things that I'm doing, the world would be a better place. And Jesus is saying, no, like that's part of why the world's not a better place is because you think everyone needs to get on your agenda, repent. Ask God for a better agenda altogether, better motives altogether. Ask him to help you be a part of his kingdom uh, for his glory and for the good of your neighbor. Um, but yeah, uh, the Pharisees' agenda was was locking a lot of people out of God's kingdom, was telling a lot of people that they weren't good enough, that they didn't measure up because they weren't pure enough or clean enough or whatever. Um, and I think this passage, and, and by the way, uh, that agenda, um, in a lot of ways, is really hard on the poor, right? Because they're the people that um, struggle the most to afford to live the kind of rigid, pure lifestyle that that the religious leaders of Jesus' day were, were proclaiming. Um, but here's the thing that I think this passage reminds us of. Like, God wants you. He wants the unclean, and he wants to make you well. Like, he wants you to bring him your brokenness and admit, like, this is not a passage that's saying, hey, you're broken and there's no hope. This is a passage that's saying, hey, you're broken. And Jesus is saying, bring me your brokenness. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Cast your anxieties upon me. I care for you. That's what Jesus would say to you today, I think. I care for you. Cast your burdens on me. Um, look to me. I will make you clean. Um, he has that power to make you clean. Um, and that's really, really good news. Um, so, uh, I hope this broadens your perspective on what it means to participate in the kingdom of God. I hope it helps you see the problem you're facing so that you can take some steps to repent and embrace the new heart that Jesus wants to give you. Um, and not just for like eternal salvation or whatever, but for a new perspective now 
for a new, more meaningful life now, for a new, more meaningful life that makes a real impact on the lives of others for the sake of the glory of God and, and his kingdom and the good of our neighbors. Um, let's look to him for that kind of lasting, meaningful change. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>